This is the One Verse Podcast, where we liberate scripture from religion one verse at a time. Well, hello there. It's Jeremy Myers, and you are listening to the One Verse Podcast. The following episode is an excerpt taken from one of the lessons in my online course, The Gospel Dictionary. In case you aren't aware of it, I have an online discipleship group, and one of the main things I do in this discipleship group is teach online courses. I think there's about 10 courses available now for people in the discipleship group, and one of them, one of these courses, is The Gospel Dictionary. The Gospel Dictionary looks at 52 keywords of the gospel, When it's all said and done, there might be a few additional words as well, and contains, I don't know, so far, about 100 hours of teaching, and I'm only about halfway through. So um, uh, this this podcast episode is an excerpt from one, just one of the lessons in that dictionary course. Now, if you want to take that course, you have to be part of the discipleship group, and you can do that by going to redeeminggod.com slash join. Learn uh, more there and uh, join up there. So I, I look forward to, to seeing you there inside the discipleship group and uh, taking this course. Uh, this course will eventually become a book, probably several books, uh, but that's several years away from the time of me recording this. I got to finish the course itself and then edit and process. And So anyway, uh, if, if you're anxious, though, to read everything and get access to everything, the only way to do that is inside the Discipleship Group, okay? They have PDF downloads, MP3 downloads, and you can uh, interact with me there as well about the content of these lessons. So anyway, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I really, really appreciate it, telling other people about it as well. That's how uh, word spreads about this. If you find the content of these podcasts helpful, Uh, and you're sharing it with others. Thank you so, so much. All right, with all of that in mind, let's get into the content of today's podcast study. I'm going to begin with Matthew 3, 8 and 10. So the two verses say this, Therefore, bear fruits worthy of, of repentance. And then verse 10, and even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Now, one of the things you might be seeing as we go through these various entries in the gospel dictionary is that very often uh, words that are found in this dictionary, these 52 words, they come in groupings and pairs and clusters. And so if, if you under, misunderstand one or two of the words, then you're likely going to understand the third or the fourth word that is also in that context. And that's the case here. With these two verses, there are actually four terms in this text which have been widely misunderstood by Christians and teachers and pastors and authors. And uh, the words are fruit, which we're looking at here, uh, fire, right, which uh, we have previously studied, baptism, which we have also previously studied, and repentance. Uh, repentance at the time of recording this is not yet available 
in the Gospel Dictionary online course, although there are many articles on my website about it if you want to look those up. Just go to redeeminggod.com, go down to the lower right-hand corner where the search feature is, search for repentance, and you'll find those. That will give you a sort of a foretaste of what I will be teaching on repentance when I get there. The point, though, is uh, even though this is a study on fruit, you sort of need to understand the words fire, baptism, and repentance as well because they are mentioned in the context. And if you misunderstand one or two or three or even all four of those words, then you will also misunderstand this passage, this text. So let's just briefly define these four terms so that you don't have to go listen to the other lessons on those terms uh, in order to understand this text. So the term fire, let's start there. Uh, It does not refer to hell. It does not refer to hell. Uh, but it refers to the temporal discipline in this context that will come upon Israel as a result of living in disobedience to God, all right, in ways that God does not want, intend, or desire. Uh, that's what the word fire means. Fire does not refer to hell in the Bible. Uh, the word baptism, then, baptism is actually a Greek word, baptizo. And uh, it refers to immersion. Uh, The baptism of John uh, here, he he was immersing the Jewish people in the Jordan River. Uh, But notice that Christianity has not started yet. (laughs) Jesus hasn't even begun his ministry yet. And so this was not Christian baptism. I always find it interesting when Christians go to the baptism of John to, to defend the Christian practice of baptism. Well, John wasn't a Christian yet. Jesus Christ himself hadn't even begun his ministry. The church hadn't been born yet. That happens in Acts chapter 2, about three and a half years later. All right, And so this baptism of John was not a baptism or burial, symbolic burial, into the death of Jesus Christ and then a resurrection because Jesus hadn't died or rose yet. Okay, What was John doing? This is a Jewish baptism. It was called a mikvah. And it was a Jewish ritual washing. It's, it did symbolize uh, death and rebirth, uh, but it was rebirth as a mother, as like a mother, a baby emerging from the mother's womb. Brand new babe, new skin, new heart, all that sort of a thing. Okay, so that's the baptism here. And um, it, has, it, it has very similar symbolism to Christian baptism, but it is not Christian baptism. Typically, the Jews who were baptized, what they were doing was saying, I see that I've been living in the wrong way, so I'm going to die to my past. That's getting buried under the water. And then I'm being born again. I'm, I am, Jesus talks with Nicodemus about this in John chapter 3. Uh, I am coming up out of the water as a brand new babe, just like a brand new babe emerges from the mother's womb. All right, so uh, that was the Jewish baptism. Again, very similar to Christian baptism, but not the same thing. All right, so uh, thirdly then, we have this word repentance. Word repentance means to turn away. And there's lots of things you can turn away from, but typically in Scripture it refers to turning away from beliefs and behaviors that are displeasing to God. And then turning toward things that are pleasing to Him, that are in accordance with His will. So we have those three terms, fire, baptism, and repentance, and those three help us understand what John means when he talks about fruit in this context. So John was out 
baptizing people in the Jordan River. He was preaching that the Messiah was going to come, and he was inviting people, the Jewish people, to prepare the way for his coming, uh, for the coming of the Messiah. And how are they to do this? Through repentance. John was saying that you, my friends, my fellow Jewish people, have been living in disobedience to God. Sure, you think you're following the law and obeying the law. I'm talking to you, religious leaders, you scribes and Pharisees, Sadducees. I'm talking to you, um, you law keepers. Uh, But you think you're obeying God, but you aren't. Uh, You have become corrupt. And so turn from those ways. Repent and symbolize your death to your past by being baptized and being born again. Uh, And when you come up out of the water of the Jordan River, you will be showing, publicly showing a commitment to to new way of living in obedience to Jesus, to to God, not Jesus, to God. Um, and, And he says, if we don't do this, this Messiah is coming. This is how we prepare the way for the Messiah. If we don't do this, then we will experience fire. We will experience temporal judgment from the Messiah instead when the Messiah comes. Okay? And so he tells the religious leaders to bear fruit worthy of repentance, to to indicate that they truly have changed, uh, turned from their past, and are making a commitment to live a new way, to believe and think and teach a new way. Now, again, what is most interesting about John's instructions to the Jewish people, and especially the religious leaders here, is that the religious leaders were the most scrupulous law keepers among the Jewish people of that day. All right, so, I mean, think about it. If I were to say, oh, we need to repent, people need to repent and turn from their sin, um, you would not necessarily think about pastors and theologians and Bible scholars and seminary professors as the ones who need to do this. You would think about the sinners and the blasphemers and the prostitutes and the people who swear and curse and drink and, you know, do all the bad things we're told not to do in church. (laughs) But John is directing his words to those that everybody looked up to as, wow, look at them. They are so obedient. And John is saying, no, they aren't. They're the ones that need to lead the way in repentance. I would imagine that John would say the similar thing to our religious and church leaders today. All right? Uh, When most people think about repentance, they don't think about the religious leaders needing to repent. But that is exactly what John was saying. John is calling the religious leaders to repent. And at the time, they were considered the most obedient. And so he isn't saying, you need to go back and obey the Mosaic Law. They were already obeying the Mosaic Law. They were scrupulous observers of the Mosaic Law. And so he's not saying, be more obedient, because that's ridiculous. They were the most obedient to the Mosaic Law they could be. Instead, John is saying all of that obedience is actually accomplishing the opposite of what God wanted and intended. All right, so turn away from this life based on the law and instead begin to live a life based on love. Okay, um, I, I will be having a lesson in the Gospel Dictionary on law, which presents all this more. Although, if you want to get all of that teaching right now, it is available in my book, Nothing But the Blood of Jesus. And uh, this is what John is saying. Their scrupulous observance of the Mosaic law has led them to live 
exactly the opposite of what God wanted. God wants us to live in a relationship with him and others based on love. And that is what John is inviting them to do instead. And you can see this by going and looking at the parallel passage in Luke 3, 7-14, where John gives them and some soldiers uh, several examples of what he wants them to do. And the basic principle there is love. Stop doing this way, instead love people, and this is what it will look like. Okay, so when John is speaking then about the fruit here in in, in this text, in, in connection to repentance, he is inviting the religious leaders to live their lives in a way that reveals this change from their focus on law to a focus on love, right? They are no longer to be scrupulous law keepers, but instead must become generous law love givers. Generous love givers. And while this love will reveal itself in what the leaders do, John's first concern is in what the leaders say. We see this because in Matthew 3.9, immediately following his admonition to bear fruits worthy of repentance, John challenges the religious leaders to rethink their theology and start teaching something different to other people. He says they should no longer say, right? First thing is your words, what they're saying. We should no, no longer say, we have Abraham as our father. All right, the Jewish leaders believed and taught that since they were the Jewish people, since they were God's chosen people, that, um, you know, descendants of Abraham, children of Abraham, that God needed them to accomplish his will on earth. They believed and taught that God would never set them aside, would never raise up any other group of people to do his will. And John is saying, uh, don't test that theory, <laughs> okay? He challenges that line of thinking and says, look, if you do not start living as God wants and desires, God will bring judgment upon the people of Israel, and he will raise up a new group of people to do his will on earth, all right? He says, if, you know, if necessary, God will even raise up a people for himself from the very stones at their feet, and Jesus said something similar, all right? So if the people do not repent of their beliefs, uh, repent of their loveless observance of the law. Right? John says that God will cut down the tree of Israel and cast it into the fire before raising up another tree in its place. That's Matthew 3.10. And again, the fire, not a reference to hell. It's the temporal discipline that comes upon Israel. Uh, and it did come upon Israel during the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 A.D. John's point is that the religious leaders were wrong in thinking that God could not and would not set them aside. God could, God would, and indeed, God did. That explains why the church is here. By the way, I'm not an advocate of replacement theology. I do not think that the church has replaced Israel. All right, we're in this little temporary pause in God's plan for Israel. God will restore Israel and fulfill all of his promises to Israel at some point in the future. But temporarily, Israel has been set aside, and um, as the Jewish people didn't think could happen. So, all of this together then, John's teaching about fruit in Matthew 3, verses 8 and 10, is in reference to these twin beliefs and teachings of the Jewish leaders 
that God was primarily concerned with their obedience to the law, and that God would never set aside Israel as his primary means of accomplishing his will in this world. John wanted the religious leaders to change these beliefs, and therefore change what they taught. That's the primary focus of this word fruit, what they teach, their words that they say. Now, yes, if they change what they teach and change these beliefs, then their behavior, their actions will change as well, right? But even then, these changes of their actions and their behavior, even this change in their theology and their beliefs, none of this would indicate anything one way or another about the eternal destiny of the people who make these changes. Okay, notice that. I mean, for all we know, Nicodemus is here, and later he becomes a believer in John chapter 3. So it's, and we know that there are other believers among the Pharisees and Sadducees. So some of them are regenerate, and maybe some of them still believed and taught these sorts of things that John is challenging them about here. We just don't know, and that's the point. We don't know. We're not supposed to know, right? Uh, whether or not people change their beliefs and change their actions, it says nothing whatsoever about whether or not they have eternal life. The fruit of repentance in Matthew 3.8 is seen in how the Jewish religious leaders started teaching differently about what God expected from them in the world. God wanted them to turn away from the requirements of law-keeping God wanted them to view both themselves and Gentiles as equally loved, accepted, and forgiven by God. And this teaching is in line with the rest of biblical revelation, and therefore, this is the proper fruit of repentance that, God, that John calls the religious leaders to develop. Their fruit would be the words that come out of their mouths, which reveal the beliefs they hold in their hearts. So that's going to do it for today's podcast study. I hope you found this study helpful and beneficial in not only understanding a key word about the gospel, related to the gospel in scripture, uh, but also help bringing you greater and deeper understanding of a particular Bible verse uh, from scripture. And of course, it's not just about gaining knowledge of the scripture, but also applying it to our lives so that we can live in light of the gospel with God and with others and also bringing this light to the world. Just as a reminder, this podcast study was an excerpt from my Gospel Dictionary online course. This course looks at 52 keywords of the Gospel and hundreds and hundreds of Bible passages about the, the Gospel. And uh, it is available. The only way to take this course is by joining my online discipleship group. You can learn more and join by visiting redeeminggod.com slash join. You not only get access to this online course, the Gospel Dictionary, but all of my other courses as well. We're thousands of dollars. There's hundreds of hours of teaching, and I'm adding more all the time. So anyway, if you would like to learn in this format through audio, uh, you can join there. There's PDF downloads, book downloads, free eBooks, even get access to my private Facebook group. You can contact me by email and so many other benefits as well. Uh, just by joining up, I'm going to send you a free audio book on prayer. 
So anyway, to learn more and join me there, just go to redeeminggod.com slash join. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast episode today. And I look forward to seeing you in the next episode as well. Thank you so much. Talk to you later. Bye.